0: Good evening. A sea of protesters has again descended on the city with a crowd numbering in their thousands, staging a largely peaceful demonstration against mandates and the pandemic bill. Palpable anger was directed at Daniel Andrews, who, according to the latest opinion poll, is on track for a third term as premier. State political
1: reporter Mark Santamartino.
0: Shaded by the trees of Flagstaff gardens, protesters gathered en masse in their largest and loudest demonstration yet. Against mandates and the premier's proposed pandemic laws. Their march began on the steps of parliament, funneling past perplexed Christmas shoppers on Burke Street.. No more and the retailer's 12-year-old Kayla can no longer visit because she's unvaccinated. I got excluded. I just this the, the morning because I couldn't go to my jiu-jitsu. The mounted brigade was ready and waiting, but had little to do. You're You're a f- a w- f- w- f- security dragging this man from a mostly peaceful crowd that police managed to guide away from protesters protesting them.
1: Not to you can't hide. You got Nazis on your side.
0: Condemning the makeshift guillotines and gallows paraded at Parliament this past week.
2: They're uh, undermining, uh, you know, democracy and we're here to say, actually, being on the left, we need to be pro-health and we need to tackle these far
3: ideas.
0: Extremism drowned out in a sea of confusion and concern.
3: I'm
1: here for my children. Um, I'm worried about their future.
2: People shouldn't be forced to lose their jobs
1: to be vaccinated. I'd like to see anybody tell me why. Um, why we shouldn't be standing up for our freedom.
0: As big as this crowd is and the fact it continues to grow week after week in opposition to the Premier's pandemic laws, according to the latest news poll, his government is more popular than it was at the 2018 election. Daniel Andrews leads Matthew Guy as Victoria's preferred Premier and has extended Labor's lead 58-42 to party preferred.
4: Don't believe no poll, this is your poll.
0: Independent Catherine Cumming refusing to break the deadlock and vote to pass pandemic legislation that will return to Parliament in 10 days' time. Even some of the harshest
4: critics of the bill uh, would say that um, it's not perfect but it's an improvement on what we've got.
5: That bill is a lockdown bill and it's a bill that's designed by Daniel Andrews to be used for further lockdowns.
6: Welcome to the machine, everyone. I am your host, Mario, here with my co host, Jeffro. Journey with us as we adventure into conspiracy theories and the unexplained. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with a special little edition of our, our show here. Um, we got a guest, Jeffro. Rowe. Jeffro's with us remote. Jeffro, how are you?
5: Good. How are you guys doing out there in podcast land?
6: Good. I hope we're all well, and uh, our special guest as well. We hope as well, Rory. Um, How's it going,
4: guys? <laughs>
6: <laughs> Rory. Uh, now, see, we're in the U.S. We're in the states right now. It is 9 p.m. on a Saturday. It is not that time where you're at in
4: Australia. Where, where are you? No, it's uh, it's just hit the afternoon around one o'clock over here.
6: Okay. Do you want to give out a like an area of Australia or?
4: Oh yeah, I'm in um, I'm in Sydney.
6: Sydney okay
4: yeah so new south wales know where that is uh (laughs) biggest city in the uh in the country pretty much
6: very nice very nice well we we want to thank you for coming on and uh speaking with us because we hear all kinds of crazy things um that we hear and we see on television but as we always say here on this show can't really believe everything you hear and see because (laughs) a lot of information is misleading so um what we really want to do is talk about the things that we've heard and seen about uh, your COVID protocols there in Australia seem pretty extreme to us.
4: Uh, yeah, they're certainly interesting. <laughs> That's one word for it. Um, yeah, they, uh, they got pretty, uh, pretty full on at certain points. Um, obviously, at the moment, they've been lifted a fair bit. So we're, we're almost back to, well, almost normal consider it but um, yeah for a while there we definitely definitely had some rules and everything that weren't quite reflected over in over your way
6: okay so if you can just kind of before we get started here can you tell us a little bit about yourself whatever you're comfortable with
4: yeah sure um yeah I'm about uh, about 22 uh, living in Sydney most of my life uh, work a pretty normal job mate I uh, uh, my parents I uh, they live up up in uh, rural New South Wales. So a little bit uh, disconnected from all of this, but because of that, they're fairly involved with, uh, I suppose, a bit of a resistance movement in Australia, uh, especially against the vaccines and mandates and everything. Um, so I don't know, there's not not too much to tell, mate. Uh, my my partner works in uh, works in a pharmacy, so it was um, pretty directly involved through most of the pandemic uh, with distributing uh, vaccines and um, just a general lot of health uh, health things throughout the whole time
6: okay all right so yeah we're going to get to the 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 whole vaccine thing but uh if you can kind of paint us a picture of how everything started well we know how everything started with uh you know we've been over it many many times of uh the COVID-19 and Where it derived from where it come from and and even speculations of how soon it it actually started but uh we we're not really sure of how you know some of the the mandates and lockdowns started uh whenever australia come to first seen this you can you walk us through that
4: yeah so i think we lagged almost a little bit behind the rest of the world in terms of um we kind of watched everything go down for about a month or so before they really kind of had any reaction over here um, so we were seeing stuff about cases in America, um, you know, reaching the thousands and all that, uh, deaths going up in Italy and everything um, before our government really any, made even any sort of statement. Um, at first, it was pretty, pretty haphazard. There was a pretty big incident with, uh, with this cruise ship that came into Sydney. Um, around two and a half thousand people on board um, with a couple of hundred people infected uh, with coronavirus at the time. And uh, I think uh, I think it was something like five days before that they'd issued the first uh, first order about international travellers. Um, so anyone coming in from overseas had to quarantine for I think it was uh, I think it was fourteen days at the time. But this uh, this cruise ship for some reason was allowed to pull in to Sydney Harbour and all of its passengers disembarked, and um, we saw a huge jump in infections. I think they linked somewhere around a 1,000 infections just off that one ship, and that kind of sparked the the initial sort of lockdown. Um, And, yeah, pretty much uh, from around March 2020, um, they mandated that no one was allowed to leave their house for anything other than a couple of reasons, like um, exercise, getting groceries, if you had what was considered an essential job, which um, at the time I was working as a motorcycle mechanic. uh, Apparently, I wasn't. So um, I got stood down from work for a couple of months. A lot of people were in a similar situation. A lot of people lost jobs and everything. Um, you know, kind of similar to what I hear happens in the States a fair bit. Although our lockdown ended up going on for uh, about two, three months um, before they really eased it up at all.
5: Now, now Rory, what, did your government do anything to help subsidize your guys' incomes? At
4: that yeah, time? so... So obviously, Australia um, is a little bit more, uh, I guess you consider it socialist, more so than America. So we've got a pretty, pretty solid welfare system. And um, yeah, so through all of that, I was actually, um, I had my wages basically covered um, by the Australian government. So they made a huge uh, spending bill. And um, yeah, it was, uh, for some people, it was quite difficult to get. It was based on how much your company was bringing in, how many employees it had. Um, and what those employees were paid and how much they worked so for me as a full-time worker I was I got the full allowance which was um, 750 bucks a week which um, you know it's not too bad for not having to work I suppose and uh, I think I think you'd find a lot of a lot of Australians would agree with me there and that not too many people were fast as long as the bills kept getting kept getting paid but um, I had quite a few quite a few of my friends especially those who worked in hospitality and in bars and stuff like that their jobs were, um, straight away, you know, cancelled basically by the government as no one was allowed to go to to um, bars, clubs, uh, most restaurants. So, yeah, my friends working those jobs were essentially just uh, left with no employment and uh, most of them weren't able to get that government grant either. So um, it was a pretty, uh, pretty difficult time for a lot of people. But okay, um, so- there definitely was, there was an attempt at least to subsidise as many people, you know as uh as our government really could at the time uh you can't fault them too much i suppose it was uh it's pretty hectic for everyone and they did did make an effort to keep people afloat but you know i think uh inherently the lockdown kind of hindered their ability to do that
6: so let me let me ask you this rory uh what was your perspective on, on when you first learned about this uh, this virus, this COVID virus, that become more and more widely known? It seemed like it was going to be more and more of a threat, or you know how the media portrayed it here. You know, what, what were your first instincts on this?
4: Yeah, definitely. So, um, look, to be honest, at the time, um, there was a you know, it was a lot of people were pretty scared, and our media certainly was not helping in any way. Um, definitely, a lot of uh, fear mongering going on there amongst the mainstream but uh, at the time it was we'd heard so few uh, so little about deaths or anything it was we'd heard heaps about people getting sick but not so many people dying so um, I wasn't too worried to be real but um, I think uh, I think once the deaths started coming in over here I think the first person that died in New South Wales was actually at a nursing home down the street from where I live Um, uh, right next to where my partner worked at the time as well so uh, we were a little bit concerned with that, but I think um, I think what concerned me more was when they pretty much locked us all inside <laughs> um, for a couple of months, and the cases the cases at the time uh, really I, d- I do think it was a bit of a of an overreach uh, to put such restrictive measures in place for how little people were actually were actually infected and how many people were actually dying. Um, Okay, it's hard to. It's quite difficult to find exact numbers in Australia. There's been some reporting, but a lot of the reporting is a can be a bit misleading. It's hard to tell if it's uh, being exactly exactly accurate.
5: Right, so right, something... as, No, no, yeah, I was going to say real quick. With this English speaking countries that we know of, Australia really had extremely low numbers. Did they not? Like we're yeah. talking like single digit numbers. Um. So if you want, I do have time. the.
4: The total number of deaths and cases we've had. Um, the deaths are a pretty are a pretty concrete um, number. The most sources that I can find all confirmed right around the five thousand four hundred mark, um, which you know for for a country of I think we're nearly twenty nine million people. Um, you know <laughs> I think more people more people die in car accidents in, in six months than uh, than that over two years. Um, the cases, as far as the case numbers go, um, there's the Australian government. Uh, their numbers say somewhere around the um, somewhere around the two and a half million. Um, other sources say it's as high as three, three and a half million. Um, so it's hard to find an exact number on that. Um, but to be honest, I think uh, I think I remember hearing a lot about the uh, American hospital hospital system struggling quite uh, quite severely, um, especially at the peak uh, infection times. To be honest, uh, we didn't see a whole lot of that here uh at the moment out of uh out of 1700 people currently in the hospital for covid only 100 are in the icu um we still have about 40 people on ventilators at the moment as well um but to be honest our hospital system did cope fairly well with the uh with the cases throughout pretty much all the pandemic
6: right just to give you a little bit of insight of what's going on over here um I know that, you know, the news media says that, that, uh, the hospitals are overwhelmed and everything like that. Maybe in the beginning they, you know, they, they, they kind of pump those numbers. And this is something I've always gone back and said numerous times is, you know, somebody needs to be honest here where they need to say, we really don't know what the numbers are because they've, they've completely dropped the ball on this whole thing, um, I know the U.S. especially, and I know there have been some cases. Uh, Jeffro and I were talking about in Australia where some cases were ca- called uh, COVID deaths that weren't actually COVID deaths. Um, yeah. You know, somebody somebody catches or come comes in contact with somebody who isn't infected uh, with the virus, and then, for instance, we heard about uh, uh, to give an example, somebody getting shot four times afterwards that, <laughs> well, that's a COVID death. Well, not nah, really. I don't, I don't think that's a COVID death. I think that's more of a bullet to the, the flesh there. Death. <laughs> um, right. But,
5: but in, our... in the instance, right. In that instance, Mario, real quick to jump in, what they said was based on the WHO's uh, right. guidelines. If you die with COVID, you are to be counted as a COVID death. So that's where the murkiness happens with a lot of the stuff. And real quick, just to touch base on the hospital beds here in America, I'm not exactly sure how your guys' medical system is over there in Australia, but here what's ended up happening is we've had over the last 10 to 20 years, a lot of hospitals become corporatized. And in doing that, what ends up happening is I think we've lost several hundreds of thousands of beds in hospitals and lost hospitals throughout the United States. So yeah, our, our system was overwhelmed, but one of the major issues that no one ever talks about, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but we've actually lost a lot of emergency room hospital beds and ICU beds just by cutting the beds in the hospitals and cutting the hospitals to save money for the corporate uh, entities that own these hospitals. So part of the problem was not that we didn't have, Not part of the problem wasn't that our system was overwhelmed, but part of the problem was that we've been cut off at the knees here in America all due to the almighty dollar. So,
6: And what even yeah, makes yeah. that worse is when you add the element of uh, you know, a pandemic, uh, such as a quote-unquote pandemic, because I'm still not sold on, on it being called a pandemic, but when you add that element and say um, – to these different uh, different hospitals and everything. If, if you have a COVID patient, you are going to be, uh, we're, we're going to give you funds for having these COVID patients and, and treating them. And then they get even more funds for treating ones who are put on ventilators. So then all of a sudden now you've got an incentive to put uh, a patient, not only keep them for when they test positive for COVID, but also put them on a ventilator. And we found uh, some of the studies that we've done that the ventilator really didn't help as much as they thought it was going to
4: yeah definitely i i heard a lot of the same uh a lot of the same stories um yeah like i said we still have people on the ventilators i hear uh reporting on uh, how how effective those really are um i have heard a lot of people say they actually uh, can often worsen the condition
5: right because there's a lot of information coming out now that it may not just be a respiratory issue. Uh, it shows respiratory science, but it might actually be a circulatory issue, um, you know, through your, through your blood pressure. And this is why a lot of people were having problems with blood clots and whatnot. But Rory, real quick, going back to the immigration issue uh, over here in America, we've also, I've heard about your internment camps and sort of the, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of touched base on, uh, you know, quarantining. Uh, in, incoming uh, you know visitors or, or whatnot and, and these internment camps that we keep hearing about I mean some of the stories we're getting uh, what, what's your position on and then you know boots on the ground
6: because you, you don't hear this and not think Nazi camp, concentration camps I mean that's yeah. a, the first thing that comes to mind is the worst thing possible and that's how exactly how they paint those pictures but again yeah, definitely please enlighten us on that
4: yeah, so look, I've uh, done a fair amount of reading, uh, as much as I can really, on these, uh, on these camps. Uh, they, they clearly don't like to give out too much information about them. I've heard some people, some individuals speak about their experience there, they do, it does look pretty bleak, I will say, um, yeah, the, the conditions there, obviously you're just kept in a single room um, by yourself, isolating for your entire period. Uh, they really uh, really do pack you in there, especially there's a, they keep quite a few people. Um, I, the main ones I know about are in uh, one in Victoria and one in the Northern Territory. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you look those places up, you'll find some uh, delightful Google reviews of them and see uh, generally the opinion of, I think, most Australians on, on those camps. Um, obviously, people aren't particularly happy to be flown away from their homes, to be kept in uh, essentially a shack in the middle of nowhere um for extended periods of time uh you know it's quite a i'd say it's quite unnecessary i really didn't expect to see anything like this especially from our government they do have a bit of a history with uh with locking people up in camps i don't know if you've ever heard of christmas island um but that was a pretty pretty big deal over here for quite a while i have personally seen some of the uh refugee internment camps um it's a pretty bleak, bleak prospect, and honestly, those camps probably remind me the most directly of these quarantine camps they have going on. The, <laughs> even the buildings look quite similar, to be honest.
5: Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard uh, some reports from uh, uh, YouTubers over here in America about how even people who were nothing more than just close contact
4: yep, yep. So, uh, were, were yeah, put in,
5: in these camps. It's crazy.
4: Yeah, the rule, uh, the, rule of the for quite a while was that if you'd had um, any sort of close contact with a person who was a confirmed coronavirus patient, you were essentially treated as sick as well um, and had to isolate for that 14 days. Even if you had a negative result before that, um, you'd still be forced to quarantine for that time.
1: I mean, it just sounds wow. like imprisonment to me. Imprisonment for being <laughs> ill for, for a virus. Uh, essentially, essentially, yeah. Have you heard about these camps in Australia? Is it right? Is it wrong? What's going on in Australia? And when do we start to examine the human rights angle here and consent of the governed? You won't be going nowhere if you're in Australia, though. You can't move a muscle. Let's have a look. Stavrula Pabst and Max Blumenfall in the grey zone, right? Though statewide lockdowns have eased in Australia, the country is constructing internment camps for those who test positive for COVID along with their COVID negative close contacts. Harley Hodgson, an Australian, held for 14 days in one such camp, despite repeatedly testing negative for COVID, said of her experience, you feel like you're in prison, you feel like you've done something wrong, it's inhumane what they're doing. I suppose that the argument is that the coronavirus is so lethal, so deadly, any measures necessary in order to protect human life must be taken. Some people would contest that that brings to the forefront a lot of questions about liberty, the standard of life, Potential hypocrisy in other areas. Are we always concerned about preserving and respecting human life? And what about the qualitative component of life? I don't know. These are questions for all of us to consider in a free democracy, particularly one in which I have no opinion, as you know. Bridget Delaney in The Guardian writes, With the pandemic, more of us than ever felt the bridle of government around our throats. We weren't allowed to leave the country, or if we had left, we weren't easily able to return. And there were limits on gatherings and the ability to protest. Wherever you stand on the evidently and admittedly divisive issue of the pandemic and its accompanying regulations, we must surely start to view this situation through the lens of human liberty, freedom, democracy and consensus. Or if we are going to put aside those ideas, surely there should be some curtailment, some statute of limitation on how long these regulations are going to last, how far reaching they are, how they're enacted, can they be revoked, who imposes them, do the people that impose them obey them, is the evidence sufficient to justify the efficacy of the methods? These are all questions that I would like to see openly discussed in a democracy, not because I have a particular opinion or a particular outcome in mind, but because of my strong belief that true democracy can and must incorporate conversation and is utterly contingent on the consensus of the governed. There were some limits on gatherings and the ability to protest. That was another thing that causes concern, isn't it? If you can't protest against something, what does that suggest? For some, this tight feeling occurred because of border closures. For others, hotel quarantines. For people with young kids, it might have been when playgrounds closed in Melbourne. While for others, the discomfort came with increased policing, large fines, a curfew, limits on freedom of movement, or being stopped and questioned by police about where you lived and how long you'd been outside your house. I mean, just even as a list, can you set aside any particular political allegiance or cultural ideology that you might feel personally aligned to and just think playgrounds closed, increased policing, large fines, curfew, limits on freedoms of movement, being stopped and questioned by police? Like... Is there no situation where you would consider that a problem? People in non-white communities will be more familiar with this feeling of being over-policed. But for many in the suburbs, the experience of being policed and fined without direction was novel and unwelcome. It made them aware, some for the first time of their civil liberties. They asked, are my liberties or rights being infringed by these emergency powers? It certainly feels so. And if it feels so, what can I do? And where and who do I appeal to? Again, democracy suggests that the institutes in place that are funded by us, which are voted for by us, are beholden to us and will respond and engaging discourse with us. Not like is going on in my country. You have people turn up on the news behind a podium in a mask behind a screen or whatever and say, yeah, you're going to have these lockdown regulations only to learn that they're not obeying them themselves. Then in America, there's loads of examples of people in positions of power, California governor having parties and, oh, we were wearing masks or whatever. It just feels like, really, you are not subject to the conditions that you are willing to impose on others. That, for me, is a, a very challenging and dangerous precedent. During the pandemic, civil liberties and human rights were invoked in such a wide range of situations. For other countries with a more libertarian view of human rights, Australia's heavy use of emergency powers and large number of restrictions was noted with disapproval. There were protests outside the Australian consular in New York and an article in The Atlantic asked how long can a country maintain emergency restrictions on its citizens' lives while still calling itself a liberal democracy? Australia has been testing the limits. Are you in Australia? Is that how you feel? Are you an Australian abroad, unable to go back home? Do you Love and care for people in Australia. I'd put myself in that category and have concerns on that basis. Are you concerned that this is some kind of globalist pilot scheme being checked out in Australia, a more manageable and geographically dislocated population so that it can later be enacted in other civilizations with the proven efficacy of the ability of the media to manage the situation and suppress protest? Whichever of those categories you fit into, it's certainly worth Uh, having a conversation about it. Australia's established human rights and civil liberties groups were busier than ever, but also coming under fire for not doing enough. In May 2021, the Sydney Morning Herald ran an article headlined, Missing in Action, What Happened to the Civil Liberties Movement? Journalist Osman Faruqi, who collected data during the pandemic on over-policing, said, In the first 12 months of the pandemic, there was so much anxiety and fear, but the thing that surprised and disappointed me most was that there wasn't a greater pushback on the restrictions without clear health advice, like the curfew. Civil rights groups should have been as vocal as possible, but there was a deep, deep reluctance to do that from the NGO sector and politicians as they didn't want to be unsupportive of the public health narrative. As time has gone on, those groups and politicians have found their voice again. Well, that's something. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, all of us were frightened and concerned in a deeply personal and collective way for our more vulnerable relatives, for ourselves, whatever category you fit into, so little was known. But it does seem to me that a conversation and policy and government are things that evolve and they evolve like human beings in response to their environment, their conditions, to knowledge and information. That when regulations are set and inflexible, that is a problem and only advantages one group, the already empowered and those that operate above the limitations that they impose. Um, I
4: think uh, it's far more reasonable to give people at least the comfort of their own homes. Obviously, in some situations, that wasn't possible, especially for international travellers. For a while, they were actually... The government was actually paying for hotels for these people. As they came into Australia, they would uh, front their accommodation, basically, for the uh, two weeks they needed to quarantine. Um, In about uh, around, I think it was March or so, uh, 2021, uh, it might have been earlier than that, they... uh, They ruled that everyone coming in would have to pay for their own accommodation. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, essentially pay for your flights and two weeks of hotel to sit there and do nothing.
6: (laughs) Wow! So that's, I mean, that's that's a hard pill to swallow, right there. That's pretty crazy. Um, Going going forward, when everybody's infected with this uh, this quote unquote uh, pandemic virus, and I keep saying quote unquote because. I've had it, Um, Jeffro had it, didn't even know he had it. Um, He did uh, studies that were, he he took practices that were shunned upon by the mainstream media that show to be very, very effective. Um, But going forward, they they continue to push this vaccination on the people, vaccination, which... uh, hasn't really had the full term studies done on it. Nobody knows exactly what the long term effects are on this thing and and I am just not myself not for this vaccination. One of the things that uh that did recently happen is a judge had pushed for the release of uh, some of the study finds in on uh, from Pfizer, from Pfizer's vaccination. They were uh made to to make this public and uh, as soon as that happened something else happened. but well, we'll get into that later, but uh Rory, can you can you tell us what the uh, vaccine ideas or pushes there in Australia? Can you help Yeah,
4: us out mate. That? Honestly, the uh, the vaccine is probably the thing I'm most concerned with. The uh, the reaction here has been uh, insane, to say the least. Uh, the manipulation by the media is is so strong by the Australian government. They've uh, pretty much got the entire populace hook line and sinker for it. Um, at the moment, our current I think the current statistic is that. Uh, around 80% of our population is now fully vaccinated. Um, so obviously that's pretty high. Uh, unfortunately, I was forced essentially to get this vaccine um, just to keep my job. Uh, yeah, they uh, they ruled it pretty pretty early on that if you wanted to go outside, you wanted to go to the pub, get a beer, anything, you'd have to be fully vaxxed. Um, and there didn't really seem to be much way around it. So I uh, yeah, had to give in on that one, unfortunately, as much as I would have liked to not i gotta pay the bills somehow right and, so um, essentially yeah,
6: look, you were told in order to live your life you had to take this vaccination that you know, there's really no solid study on it. you're going to be the guinea pig
4: no absolutely held, um held hostage right yes yeah, so i uh, i ended up getting the uh astrazeneca vaccine uh which of course was manufactured here in australia for a while until it was uh completely demonized by our media over some uh, blood clotting issues that some people had, very low numbers of people that were blown way out of proportion, more than likely to drive more people towards other vaccine manufacturers, and actually led to the uh, Australian manufacturing uh, being ceased. Um, So we started just buying our vaccines from other countries.
6: And what is the most popular vaccine that you see running through Australia at at this time?
4: Yeah, so um, because of my partner, obviously working in a fac- in a pharmacy that actually gives out the vaccine, she's got reasonable numbers on this. So um, on a given day, for quite a while, Mod- Moderna was by far the uh, the most popular, with Pfizer being second and uh, AstraZeneca at, at less than half. Usually, the people uh, coming in to get it, um, and yeah, they uh, the population got vaccinated pretty quickly here. As soon as they really started pushing it uh, through the media, most people just just sucked it up and uh and did it which is uh somewhat disappointing to see there has been a reasonable amount of pushback i'm not sure if you guys would have seen um obviously the trucker protest over in canada is a pretty hot topic at the moment um and actually led to a similar event here in australia um yeah just a couple of weeks ago uh what the uh what the media will tell you was around 10,000 people but from photos and video, you can see is uh, quite clearly a lot more than that. Uh, including my parents, uh, went down and uh, and stood outside the uh, capital of Australia in Canberra um, to protest the vaccine mandates.
5: And as far as the boosters, well, what's the idea is with the boosters? Because I know there's been a lot of pushback uh, here in America with people really starting to say, "Hey, listen, you know the the." The two jabs were, were good enough, you know, and a lot of science actually is, is pointing towards that too, uh, along with natural immunity for those who did break down and get the vaccine. So uh, some of these boosters are, are being found to not be warranted. So what's what's the, uh, the environment like down there when it comes to the booster shots?
4: Yeah, so at the moment, you're only mandated to get the first two shots. They haven't mandated the boosters yet, although I really don't think it's far out of the realm of possibility that they will eventually. Um, at the moment, they're just trying to encourage people to uh, to get as many as they can, really. Um, look, it's all just, uh, all just for the money in the end, basically. Um, you can see from a lot of the statistics that are available that uh, the boosters, whilst they do help to some short effect, at the rate which you'd have to get them so, like, constantly... Um, you know the efficacy really, uh, really isn't there for how much um, how much money the company's making off it.
6: Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you that the the top three uh, vaccination companies here in in the states anyway, we've seen uh, Pfizer by far as the, the main push. I mean, we see our television shows and and talk shows that are now sponsored by Pfizer, sponsored by Pfizer. Here's Pfizer. Take the Pfizer jab. Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer. They've got their hands in everything, everything Pfizer does, uh, which is very scary. Uh, and then the second for us would be Moderna, I would say. Uh, would you be comfortable saying that as well, Jeffro? Moderna would be the yeah, second? Yeah, yeah, Moderna's the second okay. one, yeah. And then for a while there was Johnson & Johnson, which everybody knows Johnson & Johnson is a big company. You know, I, I, they got their hands on a lot of things as well, but... Um, much like your uh, Australian vaccination, we we began to see some people having uh, some seizures from that vaccination from the Johnson and Johnson. So I don't even know if they're still running the Johnson and Johnson vaccine anymore or not, but I know there were uh, a lot of hiccups with it. And of course, um, I don't know if you've heard some of the, the previous podcasts, my brother in law, he, he sadly lost his life to myocarditis, which happens to be the number one side effect from the Pfizer uh, vaccination, uh, perfectly healthy guy in his early forties. I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but here's the thing when, when he, when we talked to the, uh, the corner, you know, he says, well, you know, I can't say it's from that, but do the math. Word for word. He said, yeah, do the math. You know, if he was a healthy guy, all of a sudden gets a vaccine, comes down ill dies of myocarditis. Now, they won't say it's from the vaccination or myocard. the myocarditis was caused by the vaccine because n- nobody wants uh, Pfizer at their doorstep, right? I mean, we're literally talking about a uh, mafia-like company here, in my eyes. So, I mean, if we can't speak the truth, then we're in a lot of trouble and that's that's kind of what we we try to do and what we've been trying to do and that's why we wanted to contact you to find out exactly what's going on down there now i understand there have been some uh you did mention some sort of a, an uprising i don't want to say uprising but a rebellion more no, so yeah
4: not not quite a uprising or rebellion really but uh, we did have quite a uh, sizable protest look um i believe sorry i've got a quote just here for it um yeah the uh one of the uh, editors for Nine News said it was the biggest gathering he'd seen in 30 years uh, outside the capital, which is um, no small statement. you know obviously a lot of protests happen in Canberra and um, yeah it's uh, quite a large demonstration and the uh, quite similar to your to the truckers protest up in Canada, um, the demonization of it by the media has just been ruthless. Um, all, practically all you see about it is just just belitt- belittling of these people with genuine grievances with the government. Um that just want to be heard. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, they don't uh, they're just not really given a chance to speak for the most part. They're practically silenced at every step.
6: Do you see any uh officials in power that are also making that stance, or is it just all one sided so far?
4: Um, look it's pretty it's pretty one sided. Um there have been uh, have been some rumors there's quite a quite a well-known bloke um ex Qantas pilot a is a uh airplane company over here um yeah an ex-pilot uh obviously stood down from his job for refusing to get the uh the vaccine he's been quite public and well-known um there's some figures in the media but nothing really in the mainstream and especially no uh aside from the uh usual suspects of Pauline hansen over here who runs uh what you could consider a fairly right wing party i suppose uh, in australia uh she is more than on the side of uh the anti-vaccine uh, protesters having been having been swinging that way for quite a while um yeah no surprise to see her on that side but aside from that uh nothing really
6: so with the, with these vaccines that uh that we're seeing these mandates here that are there in australia uh, you said you have to have uh, a vaccination, or you have to have been vaccine, had a vaccination. Excuse me, in order to enter pubs or any public place or anything like that. Do they ask for like papers or a card or something like that? Uh,
4: yeah, they sure do. I've got a little um, i got a little thing on my Apple Wallet. I tap my phone twice, and it's got a green card there. It shows uh, shows I've been vaccinated. Um, that at I'm not sure if they ever made you guys do this in the States, but for quite a while in Australia now, probably most of the last two years, we've had to check in at every single venue or anything you want to go to, that's supermarkets, bars, restaurants, um, pretty much any sort of place that sells anything. There's a little QR code that you're required to scan with your phone, and uh, you scan in and you scan out, so the government tracks your exact whereabouts and where you've been, so supposedly to track the uh, case numbers and inform people of close contacts, but yeah you know, at the rate at which uh infections were happening at some points that close contact tracing was really pointless and um seems like more of a way just to um <laughs> just to control citizens lives
6: right we we've heard of them uh apple and android both uh, talking about doing something of the sort uh quite some time ago and uh you know integrating s- sort of a vaccination card to their platform uh, i know here in the states it's just uh <laughs> It's not going to fly. There are too many people in the states uh, against being vaccinated. I would would honestly say the majority stand against being vaccinated here in the states. Uh, We don't really like our liberties being stripped from us um, without having. Now, I understand things are a little bit different from here to there, and I I don't, uh, you know, no disrespect whatsoever. Um, Here, we actually have some of those laws protecting us, you know, like HIPAA laws and things like that uh, we're essentially talking about, uh, putting things into our body, right? So we don't definitely, you know, and it is split. There are some people who are, are definitely, um, they buy into the cell. I like to say, because before doing any research, it's just, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what we have to do. Care about your fellow neighbor, your family, yada, yada. Nobody really asks Why or what are the consequences? And that's something that a lot of people do. And that was one of the things that we wanted to do. So we continue to to hammer on this topic uh, over and over and over again. And one of the reasons why we do that is because it's better to be informed. Uh, It's very, very scary that any country would push such a thing upon their people as to take their livelihood away without being uh, vaccinated. Uh, especially something that we really know very very little about which things are starting to come out more and more of that uh scare me even more so uh jeffrey did you have any questions for rory here
5: oh man um so many <laughs> first off real quick i know this is a little bit of a side note but uh most of the world had heard about the wildfires down there how, how did yeah. you uh, how
4: yeah.
5: did you guys there in sydney uh, deal with the wildfires did that affect you and-
4: yeah, it sure did. Look, uh, that affected pretty much the entire country, and yeah, it's uh it's definitely worth putting in context that that happened barely a couple of weeks before the COVID the COVID outbreak happened. Um, and yeah, our country was devastated by those fires. They came um, came within a, a couple of kilometers of my mum's house, uh, up north. Uh, and so many people uh, lost their lives. So many animals. So much property destroyed. Um, and really, just what was clear. Um, to be just incompetence uh, on the part of the government to handle that situation. Um, Their cutting of budgets from uh, the fire services was uh, brutal and has been for the last decade or so, and uh, you can really point to that as one of the major reasons um, that we were so unprepared during that time. And, of course, uh, it didn't help that our Prime Minister also fled the country and went on a nice little vacation to Hawaii whilst his country burned. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Wow, yeah. I didn't so, know uh, about that. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, old ScoMo, as we call him over here. Um, yeah, he was right out the second uh, Second danger was present. And he, uh, to be honest, he takes a, takes a similar stance with most most issues regarding Australia. Uh, you can notice that in his uh, a lot of his statements regarding COVID, he likes to take a lot of the blame off himself and the federal government and place it mostly on state leaders, which is um, not exactly the way our system is meant to work. Uh, but you know that's what he does and uh unfortunately that's what people accept at the moment because the media has such a such a strong control of this country um, honestly i find it the scariest more scary than the uh the virus of course is uh people's willingness to just accept what the government tells them you know these people have never exactly been for the common man uh, not in a long time at least and uh to just keep blindly following every uh every decision they make without questioning it i think is um Practically, just signing your life away um it's uh it's quite disappointing to see to be honest
5: now with your guys' political system obviously we're, we're not very uh aware of of too much but would i be wrong in saying that you guys along with canada even though you guys are sovereign nations you're s- still somewhat tied to england right and the queen
4: um so i'm not entirely sure about canada's political system but here in australia um obviously being a what is considered a constitutional monarchy. Technically, we are subject to the Queen. However, uh, British British politics and things like that tend to not really affect ours as much. I would say we're actually more influenced by politics in the States. Um, Obviously, not so much in some of our laws. You know, we do differ, of course. We don't have a lot of gun rights and a lot of other rights, to be honest. Um, but definitely, I think I think we're more likely to follow political cues from from the states than from Britain. Britain ha- hasn't had a lot of uh, political ties with Australia for a, for a fairly long time. Okay, yeah, and that's sort something. of where I,
5: yeah. That, I'm sorry, Mario. That's where I was going because I know England uh, recently has kind of let up on a lot of their restrictions too, as well. And I didn't know if there was connection with the letting up of the restrictions there and Australia as well.
4: Yeah, no, not really. Um, Britain has taken quite a, quite an interesting stance in lifting all of their restrictions at one time. Um, Australia has made no such promises to do that. Uh, we've had some restrictions list just this last week. We've been allowed to finally take off the masks after being mandated to wear them at all inside venues and for quite a while you were supposed to wear them outside as well. Um, they've only just lifted that restriction.
6: So, so let me ask you something uh, before Jeff moves on to the next question. Uh, you did mention about uh, gun rights and things like that, uh, opposed to what this, we have here in the States. Um, just your idea, do you think having, if you had gun rights there in Australia, the same as we do here in the States, do you think things would be a little different?
4: Um, to be honest, I think potentially. Um, you can't, you of course cannot ignore the fact that having an armed populace definitely does place a lot more uh, pressure on the government to uh, to do right by them. Obviously, uh, that if we wanted to have some sort of uprising here in Australia, there wouldn't be a whole lot we're doing it with, but sticks. Um, so, look, we can still, uh, Australians are still allowed to own some guns under the wars, uh, especially if you've got property um, and require it for hunting, you're still allowed, but nothing like the States. We have no such like uh, personal freedoms in terms of defending yourself. And uh, that's unlikely to change. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure um, if having guns—it's hard to say—if having guns here would have changed how this pandemic went in any way. Um, yeah, it's really uh, impossible to tell, uh, considering we've we've lived for so long without them.
6: Right. No, now, I, I mean, they... I was really just uh, you know more so interested in your your opinion on that. Um, but but no, I got it. Oh um, right, sorry. The 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 idea really in that question was just to, you know, maybe if not all of our listeners, most of our listeners could sit back and say, okay, this is why some of the gun laws or the gun rights that we have here in the United States are so important, if it ever had escalated to such, you know, just more of a statement. That's why I asked that question to you it's just, uh, you know, so some of our listeners would understand, you know, why our gun rights are so important. You know, oh, just, yeah, right in an instance of, you know, a complete tyranny. it's not always totally lost and i think a lot of people they they think of our gun our gun rights and our gun laws as being so outdated and should be uh, revised which it can be very, very dangerous. And, and it's something that I stand firm on and something that I just discuss with other people on that don't stand firm on as much. They like to see it revision. So ah, so sorry. some of them, you know, obviously our gun right laws were were established back in the 1700s, right? So you can make the argument that, you know, the firearms today don't necessarily match the firearms from then. However the idea to defend your rights is where it really lies.
4: Yeah, I think um, I th- obviously you hear that excuse a lot that, um, you know, the weaponry has obviously changed a lot since those laws were written. However, I still think at the time they were kind of on the right track. I think uh, the right to defend yourself is a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty important aspect of being a person. You know, obviously there aren't always uh, good people out there looking to do nice things to you. Um, and sometimes you've got to be prepared for that. In Australia, we really have no... Um, no legal way to do that <laughs> uh now, and i think with, um, I'm no sorry, i'm sorry
5: it. no with, with my understanding just to give a little bit of context from from maybe some of the things that i heard uh the gun laws there actually in uh, australia were changed what early in the 90s right after a massacre in uh, tasmania
4: yeah so we had uh we had the port arthur shooting um which is a uh, obviously a pretty horrific event um but honestly, one of the only major shootings we've ever really had in Australia, we had the one and they took the guns away. That was it. It was a pretty swift decision at the time um, by uh, one of Australia's worst prime ministers. Uh, and most people went along with it. They had a whole buyback system where um, you did get paid money to give your guns back. And most people did.
5: Right. And, and the reason why I bring that up is because it it's important to, to show the, the quick overreach and immediate uh response to something like one event right because that's what happens here and this is maybe what mario was kind of going down the lines with is right every time there's a shooting here in america they want to go ahead and try to redact or, or take back and, and increase regulations oh listen you know we're, we're not trying to take your guns we're just trying to make it safer and i think australia is a very uh important sort of case study when it comes to the overreach with the government and, and in the instance of, hey, listen, you know, based on fear, we're going to go ahead and, you know, scare everybody in the country after one event. And and again, the Port Arthur thing I, that was in Tasmania, if I'm not mistaken, I, I'm not completely op- up to uh, your guys's
4: history. No, no, you yeah. are. I do believe you're correct. Yes.
5: Okay. Yeah. So, um, and matter of fact, C- Christmas Island was off the coast of Tasmania. Yes. As well, right? Yes.
4: Sure is. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I know a little bit. I, I'm really interested in history and world history. I just I never really had an opportunity to talk to somebody from Australia. So this, oh, is, yeah. uh, thank you. Thank you for coming <laughs> no, on all the show. Good. Yeah,
4: definitely. All good, uh, There's a lot of interesting uh, history down here. So
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, again, I think that's an interesting case study for the world to, to look at and say, hey, listen, you know, uh, a lot of these things are done under the guides Of of good intentions, like you were saying, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, where we're trying to track, you know, COVID cases, so you know, do this for your fellow man. And and one of one of our biggest issues over here is the virtue signaling. You know, it's it's the, um, hey, listen, if you're not willing to obey to these new rules and regulations, like the vaccines and the mandates, then it's a strike against your moral character. You know, rather than thinking about the safety and efficacy of these things. Because uh, at no point, uh, I don't want to speak for Mario, but I've, I've said several times, I'm not an anti vaxxer. I've been vaccinated, you know, 10, 20 times. My biggest issue with all of this was the efficacy of it and the expediency in which everything was passed. And it was all based off of fear. And I, you know, my. <laughs> my my concern was hey listen if we're so easily manipulated over a very you know short period of time you know this this whole scenario worldwide i'm I'm concerned with what's coming down the pipeline i mean if it was this easy for the for the media for the governments to manipulate the the normal public How, how does that project
4: into the future? I mean, what's the next crisis? Never let a good crisis go to waste, as they say. <laughs> Absolutely.
6: And what, one of the things as to what Jeff is saying here, any, any person in power is going to use that excuse. You know, we're doing this for you. This is for your benefit, right? That's how they get what they want because then they, they indoctrinate the people who are listening to say, oh, you care about me. You're doing this for me without possibly thinking that there's another reason that may be malevolent which more often than not we see we end up seeing over and over again and it's just brushed under the rug and uh you know that that's just one of the things that uh, we we continue to see in all of this and what's what's more i don't know how it is there in australia right now with uh, with covid rory but recently it seems like a lot of it's been forgotten have have you seen y- that
4: yeah honestly um i think uh i think it's been an interesting flip. Our current, uh, our current premier, obviously having changed from the last one, um, made quite the blunder of the whole situation. Um, our new premier has essentially just, uh, come out and said that we've all got to live with it. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, I think to be honest, almost what we should have done from the start because, uh, we've ed- ended up at the same place basically after having only, uh, kicked and screamed and made it a whole lot worse. Uh, yeah, look, it's been it's been a, definitely a flip from the whole um, fear mongering that's been happening for so long. There is definitely a lot less concern about it uh, now by the average person. Uh, you know, you can walk around with no masks; it's a pretty nice change. You walk around at all? That's pretty good too. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, people are still quite quite um, firm on their on their stances. Uh, You'll find that it's uh, practically illegal at this point to have an opinion that differs from the mainstream. Um, People who voice their opinions, uh, especially against vaccines, against anything the government does, basically, is met by just a crowd of people um, shouting them down, basically.
6: So you said about 86%. I believe you said about 86%. Correct me if I'm
4: wrong. Yeah, Uh, about 80% of the whole population of the
6: country. Okay, 80%. Uh, so eighty percent. What about the other twenty percent? Are the, do you feel that that twenty percent is ever going to get to go back to work or be able to uh, enjoy the enjoy a pub or go to a restaurant or enjoy life again
4: there in Australia? Yeah. Well, uh, well, currently my parents fall into that uh, into that twenty percent, and um, look, they've uh, found ways around it, so to speak. Living in quite a small area, they're lucky that uh, a lot of the people out in rural Australia, especially. Uh, just uh, don't have the same kind of concern for this virus that the city folk do. And um, you'll find that most of them are pretty against the mandate and don't much mind you uh, breaking it. A lot of the people up that way are, uh, are unvaccinated still and uh, will most likely hold out that way.
5: And we actually kind of see that here in America. It, it seems, and Mario and I have discussed this, it seems as though uh, whenever you get into more dense populated areas, you get sort of more fear mongering because of the proximity of you know being so close to other people and uh, it it just seems uh it seems like whenever you live in that sort of dynamic you're so reliant upon you know your neighbors to be able to you know just do anything just to get food into the city and and whatnot that it's easier to manipulate large groups of people whenever they're clustered together rather than people who are a little bit more independent you know spread out then you know the population is as isn't as dense and and we almost kind of see those things along the lines of, of political parties it, it seems over here on the coast you have more of a more of a blue sort of liberal stance and then you know in the flyover states which is kind of what we describe the the rural states here in america in, in the middle part of the country you know more of a red ideology And more of a uh, conservative ideology so it's it's, it's interesting
4: Um, yeah right it's uh it's definitely very similar here i'd say um with certain certain areas definitely being more more right leaning sorry i should just clarify um that 80 percent number of total vaccinated people um the government actually claims that it's 94.6 percent of people over the age of 16 that have been vaccinated so it's possible that that, um that 20 percent that's missing from the uh total population number could just be people um, under the age of 16 and it could be as little oh, as five wow. percent of adults aren't vaccinated here
6: wow that, that's that's a very large number um, yeah <laughs> and just and just to give you an idea like Jeffrey was saying here uh, between the, the the more conservative and liberal states and and, and the clusters in a city I was just in pittsburgh last week which is a bigger city. Uh, and I can even say this: there are really no vaccine mandates when it comes to just about anything here, as of right now, other than being in a uh, working in healthcare, uh, which they've passed. They really want everybody who works in healthcare to have a vaccination. They, I'm pretty sure, they've mandated mandated that. Um, I was in a city; I could go anywhere I wanted to, no mask, uh, no vaccine. They ask that if you're not vaccinated, you wear a mask. Which, let's be honest. Nobody's going to wear a mask. Um, if anybody's done their studies on the masks, they're definitely not going to wear a mask. Um, the area that I did go into, it was a little more, it was a little more heavy. So, I, I, certain areas they can ask you. Certain establishments they can say, "Hey, can you please put on a mask or whatever?" You know, if not, then you really can't come in. I mean, that's that's how it is here in the states. You know, if you walk into a business or something and they want you to wear a hat, you know you can either go into the business without a hat or, you know, keep your hat on and turn around and walk away. Um, And and that's kind of what we've seen here. Now, as far as like uh, open venues and and concerts and and things like that, you know, we can go to the movies without any vaccination cards or masks or anything. Everybody's fine. Uh, A concert venue, I do know they don't ask for a vaccine proof. Um, uh, they ask for one of the two. They they ask for vaccine proof or a negative test, right? So proof of a negative test or, or vaccine. I I honestly I'm supposed to go see uh, Elton John in September, and uh, I don't. I, we we Jeffro, you and I, we went to a, a wrestling event not too long ago in Chicago, and during right. that time, you know, they kind of went back to their mask mandate, which nobody nobody's even paying attention to then and now um, it's to be honest with you it's a joke you know we, we go to these places nobody is complying nobody has an issue uh, everybody knows for the most part now that the reaction to this was just done so poorly and and i don't even think it's just uh there in australia as you mentioned it's here in the states too uh, the numbers have been uh, completely pumped up. Then the vaccine push, which was heavily, heavily done by the Biden administration when he tried pushing the vaccines, and uh, you know, many, many people stood up against it and, and pretty much knocked it down for the time being, and I don't see it ever coming back. If it does, expect another pushback. Um, but that's, that's kind of what we're seeing here. Uh, unfortunately, it sounds for uh, the, our Aussie friends – you guys were not really given much of a choice. It's either live with being vaccinated or don't.
4: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when they put it into law, um, you know, with uh, you don't get a say in that, obviously. Um, yeah, that's, what can you do, really? You'll find that um, I found that through my own personal experience, uh, you'll get people who do care and people who don't some areas of sydney even you'll find a a more uh you'll get more people are a little more strict on wearing masks and everything won't let you come in anywhere without a mask um and they'll uh some places some bars and everything will forcibly stand you by the door until you check in and show them the proof of you having checked in and that's when you're allowed to enter the venue after showing your vaccination card as well of course and um you'll find some places especially out towards the west um lower income areas especially uh care significantly less and you can walk in wherever you like really um, and they don't put up too much of a fuss um, so pick your spots really I guess but at the moment that's uh, that's basically what we're living in. Um, there's not too much restriction at the moment uh, obviously they uh, hold <laughs> withhold the right at any time to bring in more. Um, large large events and stuff for us have been uh, have been <laughs> well practically non-existent. Um, I've held, t- I've held tickets for the same concert here in Australia for about three years now, um, because it's been pushed back so many times. From the first death with COVID, um, our health minister um, so p- apparently has the right to uh, cancel any event with over 500 people, um, just if he deems it unsafe. Completely up to him, apparently that, um, which is yeah, <laughs> pretty great. Uh, so look, yeah, there's not been a whole lot not been a whole lot of interesting things happening in Australia. I was lucky to go to, to one concert um, at the start of 2021 uh, where they had to to meet the COVID rules. They reckoned it was safe if uh, they had a huge seating area. And so we all got to sit down in chairs and uh, watch a concert, which was interesting.
6: I'm it sure that was a lot of fun, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the things that we're seeing now, as I said, it, uh, recently it seems like... You know, it's really just going away. And it's, 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 it's so hard to wrap my mind around why why is this going away so fast now when they've been hammering this at everybody. They really took everybody's lives away from it for the past two years at least. All of a sudden it seems like and eh, nobody's talking about it. It's not the thing anymore. There's something else to talk about. And for us, I don't know about there in Australia, but for us, it's uh, it's Russia. And we'll, oh, of let's... course,
4: it's exactly the same here too, Matt.
6: So, yeah. so that's what it seems is like is going man. on, right? Yep. And yeah, that's uh, that's going to be uh, our next uh, our next drop, our next episode. We're going to be talking
4: a little more about. I'm uh, like excited that. to hear about it, especially from your guys' perspective. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's been obviously a media craze over that over the last week. Um, yeah, COVID's practically unheard of at this point. That's basically all. That everyone is talking about, which um yeah I'm very shocked to see the uh, that rapid of a shift um you know just to completely cut this two year long pandemic out of the out of the conversation. Um,
5: right. Yeah. And along with that, you know, this is something we're going to talk about uh, going forward. It seems like, and we've discussed this in previous podcasts, but it seems like the media has almost been militarized to the point where, it, whatever subject matter is deemed suitable for the moment is is what they attack right yeah it's i I mean it like you guys said it changed on a dime it went from covid which i haven't heard anything on the news uh, in the past two weeks other than the ukraine russian crisis
4: yeah honestly um the, the Australian media is uh, quite known for these flips. They do it on the regular. Uh, you'll have seen just after the bushfires ended, of course, and the pandemic broke out, uh, barely a word spoken on the bushfires or the reparations or how they would be fixed or prepared better for next time, um, just completely wiped out of the conversation in favour of the pandemic, really. Um, this happens on the regular, especially with uh, influencing our political, uh, especially elections, um, our media f- heavily favors one party over the other and you'll see that on a constant basis um, with people from the uh, from what's called our labor party um, just constantly excluded from the media even when uh, in power the supposed media corporations meant to be funded by the government uh, still quite clearly sometimes put a deliberate spin uh, against that party in favor of our more right uh, well, more in term, what we would call right-wing really, but, um, it's just essentially more corporate.
5: I, I do have a lot of questions in my mind, uh, race, I'm trying to remember them all. And this might be going a little bit backwards into the conversation, but I was curious. I, uh, and some of the people that I follow over here, there, there was some talks about, uh, going back to the internment camps, um, about how these internment camps were treating the Aboriginal population. Um, do you, do you have any personal information or, or any insight?
4: Uh, Look, it's, um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, having seen, having read a lot of the similar stories, it's quite difficult to find credible, proper information that I could present to you as a source, really. Um, basically, all you've got is some rumours, but to be honest, um, especially in the Northern Territory and Western Australia, the police do have quite the history of violence towards Aboriginal communities um, I've heard that a lot of a lot of them were mistreated, especially during the pandemic. Um, yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot of money in those areas, not a whole lot of infrastructure, um, and not a whole lot of rules or restrictions for the police to basically govern how they see fit.
5: Right, because we, you know, I, I shared a video with Mario, and I don't know if he might be able to place this, but um, I saw a, a really outwardly, uh, I would call it racist video where they went so far as to try to get a translator try to translate uh sort of the the protocols to the aboriginal population and you guys had a i think it was in western australia it could have been or maybe in northern territory australia where they were talking about oh listen yeah you know you know i don't know i guess the head of the territory was talking and then they had an aboriginal Translator, she was basically saying the same thing he was
6: saying. Like
4: English translating
5: English. English into
4: English, it was, yeah. Uh, I have seen that clip as well, actually. And, um, yeah, that one's that one's pretty, uh, pretty striking. Uh, not sure what the need is there. <laughs> I find, uh, I find a lot of Abri- Aboriginal Australians speak clearer English than um, than a lot of white folks. So, uh, great, right. yeah, look, um, it's yeah, that's just preposterous to see that happen. And, um, it's been an issue for a long time uh, in Australia. Uh, look, we can, uh, all we can really do is strive to be better, but um, yeah, it's really shocking the mistreatment of Aboriginal communities in this country. Um, yeah, I hope for the day when it, uh, when it ends. This is an important message to keep
2: Aboriginal people safe.
3: And this message is probably important one, to keep everybody safe one.
2: You can die from the corona or get really sick.
3: You better can pass away from this corona or you better can get really sick one.
2: The corona needle will protect kids, old people, men and women.
3: Well, the young corona needle gonna keep them a safe one for all the kids and for all the men and women.
2: Many people around the world have already had the needle.
3: Big mob people all around the world been already getting but their needle.
2: It is free and it's safe.
3: Dijan, that needle blackrona he free one and he safe one.
2: So get your needle now and stay strong. Thank you.
3: So you will going to get him that needle and stay proper strong one and thank you.
2: Life will become very difficult for the unvaccinated from January 31. No pubs, no bottle shops, no gym, no yoga classes, no gigs, no dance dance floors, no hospital or aged care visits. If you choose to remain unvaccinated, and at this point, it certainly is your choice, you're choosing to put yourself at risk, you're choosing to put the people around you at risk, and you're choosing to increase the burden on our health staff we have seen what works in other jurisdictions these will be the broadest proof of vaccination requirements in the nation and they will not be removed anytime soon
5: right No, and i you know, I just bring that up as a, you know another example of the sort of the disconnect with with people who live in the high castles you know sort of thing you know anybody that's in government it seems like uh when dealing with the public they just when, once you get into a particular station in life it seems like you you just lose touch with with your constituents and the people you're supposed to represent you know it's
4: just an yeah. example look i think a lot of australian politicians uh don't even really come into the job with the idea of helping people um it seems that a lot of members of the liberal party are uh sorry i'll just clarify the liberal <laughs> party here is uh not liberal as you guys would consider it um it's uh the the party uh more focused on business and uh corporatizing. Uh they control most of the media and um look oh, our, yeah, our, out. <laughs> yeah, <that's so> <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's liberal. That's liberal. Oh yeah? Yeah, well it's turning it is
5: turning out that way over the last five years, yeah.
4: Yeah, right. Um <laughs> that's quite a shift then I, I remember at a time when yeah. they were uh quite opposed. Um yeah, look, just just recently our Premier in New South Wales has uh, stood down after being accused of, um, of uh, well, embezzling really, uh, taking money from donations and just a whole lot of scandalous things. Of course, this is only what they could prove that she had done and she uh, stepped down from the position before a full investigation was allowed to be conducted, um, you know, practically saying she's guilty. Uh, and that's, as I said, that's just what they called her for at that time. It's uh, clear that she's had a lot of uh, shady dealings for quite a while. As do most uh, most people in those positions. Um, yeah, look, it's a uh, it's a shoddy party.
6: Well, that's what yeah. we always well, say I, here: I, is yeah, follow yeah, the dollar, right?
4: Yeah, exactly.
5: Um, I, I think I think what this is, illustrates very well is this isn't an American problem in politics. This is a political class problem all across the world matter yeah. of fact uh, wasn't wasn't there a politician there in australia that got caught cheating on his wife on a zoom call uh <laughs> within the last six months or so is that um
4: accurate? Y- yeah his name is escaping me um but i did hear something about that uh <laughs> look there's been a lot of um a lot of interesting scandals with Australian politics over the years. Don't know if you've heard about our prime minister in a certain Maccas in 1997, but um, if you look <laughs> up that incident, there's a fair bit to see. <laughs> um, yeah, look, uh, that, that one was pretty funny. I did, uh, I did hear something about that. So no,
5: yeah, that's just an example of it. You know, it just seems to me it, this isn't this is a recurrent issue all across the world. So it's, yeah, that's, absolutely, that's it
4: does seem to to infect all uh, all branches of politics at, uh, at the highest level it the same across the board, basically.
6: Yeah, just to clarify something that uh, Jeffro said earlier, I'm not, me, myself, personally, I'm not anti-vax. I always like to say I'm anti-bullshit. So, But when I see this vaccination <laughs> or any of these vaccinations for this virus, I see it as bullshit. My, me personally, I mean, you're trying to push something you know nothing about, you've inflated numbers on something, you claim to be doing the right thing, obviously you have not done that, um, all the while trying to tell everybody in the world, hey, look, it doesn't matter where it comes from, it's here. Well, it does matter. It absolutely does matter. And I think people who do their research are uh, are very firm in finding out that it was uh, it was created in a lab, and that's something that Jeffrey and I have gone over many, many times.
5: Oh, absolutely. No, I'm sorry, Roy. No, I was going to say actually in the beginning of the pandemic, the Sky News down there in Australia actually uh, did some good independent journalism, mm, which was quickly was shut down. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, you guys did a great job in the beginning with uh, disclosing the bats in the Wuhan lab. So yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Is that where you're No,
4: uh, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. So, um, yeah, we did have some pretty decent investigative journalists. Obviously, we we uh we Australia have uh, quite close ties to China, um, so obviously access to a lot more information from that region, and uh, yeah, we did have some pretty good reporting, especially about the possibility of it originating in that lab, which um, you know, later was quite. Quite heavily shut down But right at the start There was uh, There was quite a, f- a lot of rumours About that um, Wuhan itself is quite a Quite an interesting place And um, Yeah the fact that There's a biolab there isn't, uh, Doesn't exactly help uh, Not incriminate them Especially considering That um, Wuhan is also The site of the second Black plague outbreak uh, yeah, and, I
5: know
4: that Yeah around the uh, I think around the 15th or 16th century Yeah the uh, The second time The black plague broke out It was in Wuhan as well The place has got a track record I'm telling you
5: yeah, oh, that's interesting. So, uh, as far as the Omicron, like how ha, has Omicron sort of reached on your guys' doorstep, and if it has, ha, have you guys seen the same thing that we have here in America, where basically it has turned the the vac- or not the vaccine, but the the virus itself into almost an a- endemic situation where it's it's more contagious but less deadly are you seeing the same sort of things out yeah absolutely we're omicron. seeing
4: the same things uh we've seen a huge surge in cases of omicron um you know we went from uh at, at points new south wales was uh was free from new coronavirus cases for as long as up to 40 days we had periods uh no new cases were found um since omicron has hit our shores the cases uh can get anywhere near as high as about thirty thousand people in a, uh in a week Um, But yeah, at the same time, so few hospitalizations, so few deaths. Uh, My partner, several of my friends have all caught uh, what would appear to be the Omicron variant. Um, Somehow I've escaped by the skin of my teeth, uh, despite having extremely close contact with several people uh, at the time that they were sick with the virus. uh, You know, some of them testing positive uh, several hours after I had seen them. Um, Somehow I've escaped catching it. So that's, uh, that's an interesting one I can't explain for you. Well, but um, yeah, you're I mean, exactly right in that the the cases we've seen of surge and it, it does appear to be far less deadly,
5: and hopefully that continues to be the case. Uh, usually through science, from what we we've been told, usually uh, viruses at the very beginning are extremely deadly, and then as they mutate, they don't want to kill the host; they they want to keep the host alive, and they just want to be able to procreate, just like any other living entity. And and hopefully, you know, what ends up going into the future that these viruses become less and less deadly so you know maybe omicron is the first step in that
6: well i think again you know now we've got something new to worry about right now there's something else to talk about so i mean the media not talking about it or inflating it or any you know pushing anything surrounding it as bill gates had said it's a shame it's too bad that (sighs) you know that the omicron is is not (sighs) uh is not Heavy
5: it worked hitting, better as, than the vaccine. It worked yeah.
6: better than the vaccine. Unfortunately,
5: Omicron, yeah. Unfortunately, Omicron <laughs> is is much, you know, has done a better job of, uh,
6: right? Yeah. Ridiculous I was tra- I was trying I was trying to replay the statement in my head, and as I was speaking, it just wasn't coming out. It
5: just, it, it's it's hard to repeat what Gates says. It just sounds like noise. The man is. right with words.
6: <laughs> right. So, yeah. Uh, that being said, you know I think we're going to wrap this one up here, Rory. I cannot thank you enough for your time. I don't want to take up all of your uh, all of your Sunday here. Uh, nah, well, neither no worries, one of us guys. do. Um, we were supposed to have another friend on here, Chris. We hope everything's okay with him, Chris. If you can hear, we hope everything's all right. Um, but thank you again, thank you very much, Rory. And we're about to go into uh, an episode uh, which took away. Pretty. I'm going to say this. This topic took away covid so here's your cure that's what that's how i'm looking at it a lot of people are going to disagree with me which is fine (laughs) i'm good at pissing people off and it doesn't bother me at all um but and and get ready because a lot of people are not going to agree with us on this one either so um, i I,
5: I do have one thing rory before we sign off here um on a lighter note uh our our podcast we kind of have a wide spectrum here and on I was curious. We haven't touched into cryptids y- much yet, but uh, <laughs> what's the truth about the Tasmanian devil? Is it still around down there?
4: Uh, you know, a lot of people would tell you. I know for a fact, for quite a while, they've been trying to replicate its DNA. I do believe at one point, they even successfully recreated a foot of one. Um, so uh, yeah, they're doing some some shady things down there. That huh. is
6: not the answer I was expecting. Wow. <laughs>
5: okay.
6: No, yeah.
4: I mean, I,
5: I've, I've, there's a there's a cryptozoologist who actually found one of the leopards in Malaysia area. Uh, he he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast. I can't, his name is escaping me right now, but he's kind of famous. His, his grandfather found the Sela camp off of Madagascar. Uh, if, if I remember his lineage, but he actually went down to Tasmania and he, they found a lot of, they'd never found an actual specimen, but they found a lot of like uh, rutting areas and a lot of, a lot of different places in the uh, wild down there where, there, there's a lot of indication that there might be a viable population um, that's been able to, you know, escape. You Interesting. Know, you know, public. you hear
4: a lot of a lot of stories from locals who uh, reckon they've seen one, but um, you know, most people would consider that stories. Depends what you believe, I suppose. Uh,
5: they, they don't. They don't have little tornadoes underneath them as they move, do they? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Not from what I've observed, mate. Okay,
5: that's a true cryptid, right? <laughs>
4: I do uh, I do. quickly want to give you guys one little interesting thing. Um, there's something not quite so known about in Australia, uh, quite close to me, actually, is a site called the Gosford Glyphs. Um, I don't know how uh, much into ancient history you guys get or, uh, you know, ancient aliens, that sort of thing. Um, but I really, uh, it's worth having a look into the Gosford Glyphs as uh, a site with ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs uh, just outside oh, you, Sydney.
5: You beat me to it. I was going to bring that up. There, yeah, actually, um, I didn't know of what it was called the Gosford Cliffs. But what it is is there's speculation that um, it was a, a, a brother or a son of a king, right, that was has all these different Egyptian iconography and, and all these hieroglyphs all over the area there. And yeah. going back,
4: yeah. So, so yeah, do you have any information a, on that? There's a couple of um, – I sure do. Uh, my, my partner is actually from Gosford. Um, So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, there's several kind of cave sort of cliff walls um, practically hidden in the bush. It's quite the hike to get there, actually. Um, Not an easy site to find. But, um, yeah, some quite intricate uh, Egyptian hieroglyphs. Um, They reckon after having analysed them, there's quite an odd uh, disparity in the styling. It's almost like uh, someone who maybe knew how to write but wasn't quite the level of of a royal scribe or something like that. Um, it tells the story of, uh, of a couple of Egyptians who were marooned off their ship um, on the mainland, and from uh, the sounds of things, encountered some uh, some of the native population, which of course, uh, you know, has been in Australia for up as long as they reckon as about fifty thousand years. Wow. No,
5: yeah, that that just goes to prove that when we when we talk about our ancient history, that we think we know what's going on, and, and guarantee we don't have the full story. No, there, there's even, yeah, think there's even yeah, stories of maybe the account. Phoenicians coming over to like Michigan area over here mining copper because they, there was some stat that all of Europe, the amount of copper that they had during the copper age, they couldn't account for where all the copper came from. Yet they have all these uh, ancient mined uh, sites in Michigan, and there's some uh, information saying that maybe the Phoenicians, which was a uh, – seafaring community of course, yeah. in ancient times that possibly made it over here to the new world before even the Europeans. So yeah, that, that, that was interesting. I, I had an idea about the Egyptian. I was going to bring that up. So that's that's called the Gosford glyphs,
4: glyphs, glyphs, G-L-Y-P-H-S. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Honestly, it was, uh, it was discovered quite a long time ago, but initially dismissed as some people, Chalked it up to uh, soldiers returning from the war in Egypt after World War One and Two, thought they might have inscribed something. But um, you find me as an Australian soldier in World War One or Two that could perfectly, uh, I could, you know, transcribe hieroglyphs into a cliff. And uh, why exactly you would do that on a cliff uh, in the middle of nowhere, basically? Hmm. Right. Definitely an interesting site. I think uh, a lot of places around the world uh, definitely deserve a closer look for sure. Right.
5: And, and actually, I don't know how far back of the podcast that you uh, have listened to, but for those fans who uh, were aware of sort of uh, my, my quick hypothesis on time, instead of it being linear and being more of a spiral, uh, that actually was kind of derived a little bit from the aborigines uh, down there. You guys got a lot of ancient glyphs yourself. Uh, oh, yeah, with things like spirals and whatnot uh, and along the lines of what I, I think the interesting thing is you guys have a lot of history with the seven sisters and that kind of correlates to the Pleiades system. It seems like you guys had a lot of ancient knowledge of the stars. So you yeah, guys look, got a lot um, of really cool things there in Australia.
4: The, the Aboriginal, uh, they call it the Dreamtime, um, their yes. uh, kind of religious belief system around a lot of their, it, it does revolve a lot around their history uh there are some interesting stories in there um definitely worth a look uh yeah. yeah they tell a tell of a lot of different things they clearly had a had some sort of knowledge obviously uh you don't sit around in a country for fifty thousand years and don't figure a couple of things out
5: right right no yeah you guys man thank you so much for coming on uh i, I know i'm kind of
6: yeah definitely no worries at all guys yeah <clears throat>
5: well
6: maybe if they allow some of the unvaccinated back uh, back in you know we can Come check it out sometime, we'll yeah, Rory, and uh, you can show us around. So um,
4: sounds phenomenal, guys. Yeah,
6: uh, but uh, I tell you what, the, we will wrap this one up here uh, again. You know, just uh, just a segue into the next episode. You know, we try to tell everybody to keep an open mind when we talk about these topics. We are definitely going to ask you to keep an open mind, as well as everybody else listening. On the uh, the Russia topic that we're about to get into, so
4: please don't hate us. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely, guys. I, uh, I look forward to hearing your opinions.
6: Do you have? Let me ask you this before before we sign off here. Do you have any questions for us? Any any questions whatsoever?
4: Um, not so much a question, guys. Actually, I wanted to raise one interesting point. Just um, because I feel like I've not really heard it mentioned uh, many other places. I'm quite interested in um in UFOs and everything. Uh, obviously. <laughs> And uh, in, in specific relating to the uh, David Fraver case uh, off the USS Nimitz, I've heard a lot of people say that you can't dismiss the possibility that it could have been um, a military craft, uh, even a United States military craft. Um, I just wanted to mention uh, the point that that is incredibly unlikely, uh, considering that <laughs> as a military force, you tend not to... Um, schedule your events directly over the top of each other for example you wouldn't put a uh, put a training uh, group onto a live fire range of another group um, and uh, having a craft right next to the, one of the, the America's biggest warships um, doesn't strike me as particularly possible um, just an interesting thought, thought I've had oh, I suppose, yeah absolutely. That I to bring up.
5: well no yeah because then you risk a if it's a, looks like a threat you risk hmm. your military shooting down your your secret. Exactly. Yeah,
4: I don't think you'd go test your uh, top secret weapons right over the uh, over the heads of some of your employees. Right. Yeah, right.
6: Right. Well, we're, we're, I'm, not, I'm actually working on putting together uh, an episode. I'm not really sure when it's going to happen. I know we got some uh, some other episodes that we have in the lineup right now. Quite a few, but uh, definitely working on getting a sightings episode
4: going. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent.
6: Uh, that being said, uh, guys, Roy, again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, Jeff How are you, guys? Always a pleasure to have you with us, buddy. Uh, you're sure the was. co-host, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> Jeffro, are you still with us, or we lose you?
4: Yes,
5: no, I'm still here.
6: Okay, I was I was waiting for confirmation, man. This is remote. You gotta oh, no. get something.
5: <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> want to interrupt.
6: No problems, brother. No problems. Uh, again, you know, we can't thank you enough, Rory. Thank you for all the information. Stay uh, stay safe and whatever it is that you're doing and uh you know keep listening if you have any questions or anything you ever you ever just want to come on again and uh you know maybe do an episode about uh, some glyphs or something like that you know just yeah. give us a holler you know i'd love uh,
4: to guys maybe i'll get some photos for you and uh show you it properly oh, oh that'd, that'd be great.
6: amazing that'd be amazing we can't ask anymore he's already great guys us a lot.
4: was uh was great it's <laughs> great chatting to you
5: all right until then
4: yes until then